Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's our brand new show here on the 27th of May, 2020. Great to be with you, Craig, along with Joe. Of course, another edition of the show right here on Sports Grid every single day from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Whether there are sports, there are no sports, we are here for you to entertain you. We got you covered every single day with all the latest news in sports. And, uh, yeah, we start off the show today with some actual news about two of the major sports. And I have a feeling there'll be more to come, although we're not 100% certain on some of these things. But we waited yesterday, Joe, until late in the afternoon, and finally the big announcement from the NHL came down, which is essentially uh, they're going to start things back up again with a 2014 playoff, time to be determined, date to be determined, location to be determined, (laughs) But essentially, a wild play-in game scenario that puts you in the uh, bottom end, a top four seed fight, which will put you in the top end. But regardless of all of this, I think the important thing to note is that it looks like the NHL is going to try and play. Now, it doesn't look like they have exact dates yet. My assumption would be is that this is sometime either in July or August, because June would almost you know, seem to be almost impossible to get this started. I mean, we're, we're already here at the end of May. But uh, certainly a good sign that they're trying. I would have loved to have a more a definitive idea, but they did release a list also of some of the potential hub cities, and it looks like that they're going to try to do this in two cities, 12 teams a piece to start with a wild and wacky scenario, but that's what we're left with at this point. I feel like in that movie, dumb and dumber where he says, uh, or Jim Carrey's character, Lloyd Christmas says, so you're saying there's a chance, no date, no, no city. We're not sure where we're not sure when, but it's going to happen. We think sort of kind of sports happening. It's going to be a lot of teams or not, or maybe like it's, it really is. It's very Lloyd Christmas. And I don't know if this is going to be dumb and dumber or not, or if this is going to be fantastic. I'm hoping this happens. I told you, I am very excited for the prospect of playoff style hockey because playoff style hockey is awesome. And for somebody who is a casual hockey fan like myself, it is a, it just, it's gets the juices going, man. Playoff hockey. And then on top of that, you know, overtime playoff hockey. Yes, please. And uh, I would just wish there was some sort of at least window of time kind of mentioned in this plan. Uh, I do like the way they're talking about the top four teams playing for the seating and then the lower eight. I I think that's very cool uh, trying to figure that out. And um, of course, there's some other rules, too, that each team is limited to 50 people in those hub cities in order to travel. So in other words, it's the team, the traveling secretary, the equipment people. So there's limited. No one's traveling with these giant entourages. That's that's very important. It is very important. And I think I'm glad that they have spelled that out and hopefully other leagues will look at this. And, and I think all the leagues would, it would behoove them not to all work together in some sort of concert to share good ideas with each other, because there's a lot of smart people working at these places. And maybe somebody in the NHL has a good idea that would help somebody in NBA and vice versa and MLB, all these places. All I know is this is the first, even though it's a baby step in the right direction. And I'm very grateful for it. How are you, Craig? Are you holding up? Are you excited? Or you refuse to feel emotion yet? 
I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic and okay. excited. I would have loved a start date. I would have loved a city and a location, which tells <laughs> me that there is. Well, the NBA's got of... a location, <laughs> so maybe I can't. I like guess they've, they've I got guess. that. <laughs> I mean, it it all feels surreal until it's real, I guess, you know? Like, I think that that's how this is going to go down for me. Like, okay, the NHL has a nice plan, and they put some nice graphics together. And, like, we have nice graphics, too. But we're using the graphics. Regardless of that, I, I think that we should be cautiously optimistic that they can get something done. But make no mistake about it, there's still going to be a lot of hurdles to go through. But the idea that they're almost immediately going to have some play in games and start a playoff is definitely exciting to me. So if, if the NHL is back, great. Are you a hockey guy at all? Or is it something you'd have to totally, you know, study up uh, on and get, get integrated? Well, to? I mean, I would, first of all, see with me, I keep it real. Uh, I would not be studying at all. And if hockey was the only thing on, then I'd be watching hockey. But if, but honestly, if if there's other competition, I would not be watching hockey. I so mean, if NBA you know, was back and hockey was back, what's winning for you? It wouldn't even be close. I'd watch NBA. Okay, there you go. I just just figured I'd ask. I, I I would actually flick back and forth. I would, although I've I've made that pact with you that I was going to watch more NBA this year. So I'd like everything to come back, and this is my favorite thing. Everybody knows I'm I'm just you know I'm a sucker for a good tournament. And I just, I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's the best thing we could do in sports. It gets everybody excited. It makes all these games matter a little bit more. You know, the playoffs are all kind of old and damaged a little bit. Let's shake things up. But look, kind of like you're saying, this is the best thing we can hope for is small incremental steps forward. At least you're not moving backwards. So at least the NHL is there. And we also got some other news, the NFL, at least in New Jersey, where I live. Uh, my man, Governor Murphy said that the Giants and Jets facilities are open Go run some drills. So that's very exciting news as well, because that is certainly the step of getting those players in the NFL on the field. And if we're doing that before June, that's a very good indicator, I think, for the NFL. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, the NFL, especially in this area where I am, NFL's got months to figure it out so they can they're in the best position. They could just keep saying, of course, we're going to play. We're definitely going to play. I mean, of course, I think that, too. But. It's it's one game a week yeah, we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. One but, game a know, week is so much easier to manage and contain. It, it, it is, but it's also in September, and mm -hmm. we're only in almost June, and the other leagues have had to stop, and they're under a lot more pressure right now to get back going. It's just a different scenario. Speaking of which, also late yesterday, and I'm sure as we'll follow this story even into today, the, uh, the owners of Major League Baseball and the Players Union ended up uh, having some sort of discussions. Now, again... This is a very fluid story here. So, you know, keep in mind, things are going to be changing very quickly, rapidly, and opinions will, too. Uh, there seemed to be some cautious optimism, I would have thought, over the last couple of days. From my own reporting, there had been just quiet and not a lot of talk, um, just to kind of let's see what they come up with type thing. And uh, the owners essentially sent over what's being reported by both ESPN and also the USA Today a proposal that essentially states that there's going to be some sort of sliding scale on salaries paid. It does not include revenue sharing. It includes paying the salaries of the players with one pretty significant exception, which is that the highest paid players in the game would be forced to take significant pay cuts uh, to essentially make up for the lower end players making a million, two or three getting paid <laughs> in full so guys sounds like, like even sounds like garrett bernie sanders cole, is running mlb <laughs> guys like garrett cole, 1%. steven strasberg um 
Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper could yeah. play for the Marlins. Uh, Manny by Machado. Um, you know, you know, essentially when you look at it and using any of those guys as an example, if they're making $30 million a year, they're already being cut down to making 15 because they're only going to be playing a half a season. And now what they're being asked to do is to make probably even like close to half of that. So the reports are at least late yesterday uh, were coming in that clearly the players were not happy with this new version of the plan. So while I would love to be super optimistic at this point, and certainly by the time this show is over, we could have a different story, and we would give you that story if it did, it does appear as though some more work needs to be done before a deal gets done with baseball. And I don't want to go back to even thinking this is going to feel like 1994 again, because I don't remember being on social media doing this kind of media back in 1994. So I'm hopeful we're not headed in that direction, but it does not appear to be uh, going as easy as, as everyone just accepted that, oh, it's going to be easy, and, and everyone realizes that they got to play. I mean, I, I guess not. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I guess not. Yeah, I think I was 15, <laughs> 1994, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and the strike habit. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's very difficult. I, 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 it seems like nobody wants to give. And I mean, a good compromise at the end of the day is when everybody is unhappy, you know, where both sides are begrudgingly unhappy, but it's for the best interest of everybody to kind of, of live with that unhappy. It's kind of like a good fantasy trade, right? I give something to you. I'm a little upset about it, but I'm getting something I want. But in the back of my mind, I'm a little tweaked about it. Same for you. That's how you know it's a good deal and everybody wins. And that's the kind of trade you want to make. I hope the owners and the players can figure this out between the two of them. Because I keep saying this, if the NBA finds a way to move forward and the NHL finds a way to move forward and the NFL, as we all know, they all be talking to Elon Musk and playing on Mars if they have to. It does not matter. Baseball, if they sit out, because at the end of the day, it's not about safety to them. It's about money. That's a tough sell to the fans. I'm telling you, it just really is. And Tom Glavin's right. The the players will be the ones to take the brunt of it. Nobody's gonna go and and complain about the owners. They're gonna complain that the the highest paid guys weren't willing to take a pay cut. And it seemed like somebody has to take a cut somewhere. Uh, I, I am not a labor union uh, executive. I can't tell you the ins and outs of this. All I can tell you is, Craig, I sure hope that they can figure out some kind of compromise here. So should the players, so should the main players, Joe, take their cuts? Should Garrett Cole, who signed the biggest contract ever, uh, play for his, Well, it's know. very difficult because I look at everybody else. I look at so many friends and relatives that I have who work in the hospitality industry who are furloughed. And I look at so many people that I know who are my friends of mine who are bartenders and, and servers and people like that who are all furloughed and not working at all or all collecting unemployment. Everybody in America basically has taken some kind of hit in their salary. So at a certain point, when do when do baseball players not count as people in America? Like no, we're no, all they, kind no, of they do, a but hit. they're a union. And 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 if I understand and if, that. And if somebody went in sports grid to Joe Pizapia and said, Hey Joe, here's the deal. Um, everything's cool. Um, every you have to take a pay cut. Nobody else. Just as long you. as my job is secure. I understand because I think my job is not essential. And you wouldn't but have any animosity toward everybody else. Uh, you're the only one that's being asked to it, take a pay cut. Let's put it to you this way. I've uh, not here, but I've had plenty of moments like that throughout my illustrious career already. And for me and my perspective, it's more important to keep doing the thing that I want to do as long as I had some sort of guarantee 
that I was going to be able to keep doing it over I, a longer I, period. I, I and that's what that. contract. It's not like next year it doesn't come back. It's not like right, next yeah. year they don't get that same salary. I think you have to look at the long-term solution here and look at the short-term hit versus the long-term reward. This is guaranteed money. It's not like the NFL. This is guaranteed money. These guys aren't getting cut next year, the majority of them. That's the difference with baseball. The union is so strong and the money's all guaranteed. <sighs> I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a bit of a, a hit where everybody else pretty much in this country right, is. But I think everybody has to take the hit, not just the top guys. Well, you don't think the owners are taking the hit in revenue? You don't think the no, executives are taking the top players? Ask asking just the best players but, but look, to take less. But you're money. asking, but you're also asking your executives who work. A lot of the executives have taken third salaries and even less and things like that. There's rumors that the Angels are laying off entire staffs. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on here. There's a lot of people that need to eat and put food on the table at the end of the day. And again, it's difficult to have sympathy for people going from $3 million a year to $300,000 for a single year. It's tough to justify that to the American public. I'm just telling you, as a man of the people, what the public is thinking, whether that's right or wrong. I think that's the mindset. Well, we'll have to see uh, as this story continues to percolate. Hopefully we'll get baseball back. If not, we'll go into Joe Pizzapia's garage because we're going to have that coming up a little bit later. Some fun stuff Joe will bust out. We'll see if I recognize any of it. But coming up next, this day in fantasy sports and our fantasy sports birthdays. You're watching Sports Grid, and we'll be back in just two minutes. Don't go away. In Game Live. The NFL is doing something that they haven't really ever done before, and that is not about Monday night. It's not about Sunday night, but it's about Friday they're going to have a game on Christmas Day, Jared, taking yeah. Friday, another kind of like swipe at other sports. The NFL is going to eat into that market share, no doubt about it. It's the NFL. It is an intriguing little move that they made. Catch the program every single day on FNTSY Radio and on the SportsGrid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you on this May 27th. Some optimism coming from around sports. Looks like we're headed back to some normalcy here. But before we move forward, we got to go take a look back. And, of course, today we're going to be looking at May 27th. Of course, today is May 27, 2020. So this day in sports history. Joe, you ready for a little bit of a reminisce back in time? I am. I'm also wondering if we ever do get back to some sort of normal Will Craig Mish be wistful come, I don't know, September to go back and see whose birthday it was in, in fantasy sports? I kind of wonder. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no You'll never want to do it again. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't I wouldn't say never, but I mean, after doing this for a few months, it's, you know, I mean, I, I think that we're, we're making the best of it. It is entertaining because we're bringing history to today and there are stories involved in it but i don't necessarily know that with so many things happening at once in sport that this will be a prime subject for anyone i think i think anybody watching joe a television show or listening to a radio show or listening to a podcast with the nba the nhl major league baseball potentially football uh hockey golf and soccer are going to be interested in who won the Indianapolis 500 on this day in sports. I don't <laughs> I, think so. I think you're probably correct. Maybe I'll get you one of those calendars for Hanukkah this year that has like this Thank day you. in sports. 
keep you busy, maybe keep in the bathroom. I don't know. But I think that's that's definitely the Hanukkah present I'm going to get you this year. And we've done a very good job of bringing, uh, you know, old things into light for now, whether it be the lockouts or whether it be seasons that had strikes and things like that and how they affected sports. So I think it's very timely to go back into the past. And we've done a very good job. But that being said, what happened today, Craig Mish? Yes, let's go back in sports. This day in sports, May 27th, 1981. Boy, this is one that... I mean, this player, it's really interesting, this story here, because I remember this, and it's very popular on blooper videos, that Lenny Randall, uh, there was a bunt laid down, and Lenny Randall jumped on the ground in the infield in a regular game and tried to blow <laughs> the ball foul. And I would say that, look, players are known for different things in sports, Joe, but Lenny Randall is known for only this. Like, this is it. <laughs> Like, there, there's really no uh-huh. other thing that I can think of with Lenny Randall except for when he jumped on the ground and tried to blow the ball. In fact, I think that everything that he did since then, signing, baseball cards, was all based on this one <laughs> moment. I'm trying to think, in baseball, in sports, I mean, I suppose if we really thought about it, we could come up with weird things that players are known for and only that. Um, but this is the only thing that comes to mind with me for Lenny Randall. Well, tune in next week for that segment because whenever Craig has <laughs> an idea like this, idea. <laughs> you know that it's going to open the show because he's like, well, we've got two hours to fill every day. So that's coming, boys and girls. Don't think it's not. Uh, I, I remember like, this. As an example, I'll give you another yeah. one. I'll give you okay. another one. Um, like, uh, but like a funny hey, Rodney sort of McCray. Thing. You just gave me one the other day. Rodney McCray. Now, look, he's, he's first of all, before I say this, I want to be very clear. Okay. Uh, Dan Orlovsky is doing a fantastic job on television. He has been great. I mean, a great announcer, really good analysis, and has been a great addition to ESPN. Dan Orlovsky is only known for one thing, as far as I'm concerned, playing football. Running out of the back of the end zone. That was it. Do you remember that play? I do. Yeah, when he was on his two-yard line and he was running back to pass and he just like ran completely out of the end zone to try. That's all I remember Dan Orlovsky for, and I'm so sorry, Dan, that that's what I remember you for. I mean, what does anyone remember Joe Pasarczyk for? You know, yep. fumbling that ball and Herm Edwards picking up and running it uh, the other way. And that was the end of uh, the Giants playoff hopes. Uh, and, 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 but Lenny Randall, this is it. That's all I know. For well, it. here's That's the it. thing about Lenny Randall. First of all, I'm trying to remember if he was successful or not with this. I no, say, they didn't allow it. No, the the, the, the ball actually move. Uh, I thought the ball actually he did, he did blow go, the ball foul. Yeah, I got think, the ball but, back out. But, but now, they didn't allow it. Yeah. But I remember also, see, I didn't see this happen live. I saw on the blooper reels for years and years. But then I remember in my childhood, Kevin Seitzer of the Royals trying to do this exact same thing. Also, the big controversy around it. But I want to say he was not successful. He got on the hands and knees and tried and tried. And then it hit the base and he was just kind of sitting there and kind of, uh, you know, at least Lenny Randall got it out of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, across the foul line. So that's something at least he accomplished that. But you know what? It's better to have one moment for something fun like this than be forgotten altogether, isn't it? Oh, no, for sure. I'd rather be known for something than forgotten for nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. Pretty much that's it. You're 1985, <laughs> the, the Celtics beat the Lakers in the, uh, in the finals 148 to 114, which at the time was the most points scored in a finals game. Uh, Brian Wedman was 11 for 11 from the field, which also broke a record. And he had four three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Not a household name for the Lakers at the time, uh, but the Lakers ended up winning that game thanks to him. Yeah. 19, 1997, and, th- and now it's, it's starting to come to me. Ken Griffey Jr., he homers for the 23rd time through the month of May. 
And he had the record previous to this uh, for the most home runs through the month of May. And it, and it did kind of make me go to baseball reference and Google a little bit. Like Ken Griffey Jr. was Mr. April and May every single year. It felt like Griffey was going to hit 60 every single year at the start of the year. This guy was just a fast starter. Yeah, and that was great because then you could trade him for a whole lot <laughs> because, you know, if you didn't follow through on the pace, at the very least, 50, you know, well, yeah. I mean, well, but if you get 30 something in the first half of the season, you only got 15, 20 left, you could make the argument it's that you, if somebody's going to yeah. overpay, you could get a very good deal out of Griffey. Ken Griffey Jr. was the first player I ever selected in a baseball draft in 1998. So uh, there you have it. So I can, uh, I always, you always remember your first and Ken Griffey Jr. was mine. And uh, he did have some incredible stretches, too, where, you know, he just made it look so easy. That swing was so easy. His hands were so fast. And the follow-through was so fantastic. I, I Whenever I think of Griffey, I always think about that home run in 95. Of, uh, I can't remember who it was, if it was Cone or somebody else in the Yankees in 95 in that playoff game, where he hit that ball, and it got out of that ballpark so damn fast. It was the old kingdom still. And he was just – he was an incredible thing to watch. And I, I know we have Trout now, but I don't know. In terms of – the most fun to watch player I've ever seen in my lifetime. I know some will say Willie Mays or whatever it is, but in my lifetime, Ken Griffey Jr. was the guy that was always must-see, and it was just amazing to watch someone be so good at something that's so difficult. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dario Franchitti wins the Indianapolis 500 in 2012, as I said. Interesting for today, but maybe not for September. And in 2017, baseball inducted into the Hall of Fame Homer Simpson. Yes, Homer Simpson from The Simpsons because of the Homer at the bat episode, the 25th anniversary of it back in 1992. And I would say that this was a very good job well done. I think Jeff Idelson, who was the head of the Hall of Fame at the time, did a really good job putting this whole thing together. They brought back Ozzie Smith and Wade Boggs and the guys who were in uh, that episode as well. King Griffey's giant head. <laughs> one of the better episodes ever. Oh, absolutely. So, and you know what? In case you're wistful for that, Matt Stryker and I did our own version of this team on Diamond Bets of guys that we would like to put on a softball, a company softball team for Sports Grid. We each had a draft uh, ourselves. So in this time where we're looking for fun things to do, we did this and it was inspired uh, by Mr. Burns. And of course, my favorite part will always be Mattingly, shave those sideburns. You know, he just uh, and he just and by the end of the episode, the, his hairline's up here and he just doesn't know what to do. He just quits. Poor Donnie Baseball. Yep. Didn't like that happening, no, for sure. Um, okay, so that's what happened on this day back on May 27th. Now let's hit on this day in fantasy sports birthdays. And, man, we got two Hall of Famers right at the top. Frank Thomas and Jeff Bagwell, both born in 1968. I mean, who was better between these two players? I mean, they're pretty similar players when you think about it. It's certainly an intriguing comparison. You know, I mean, we could put all the rumors aside and just look at them as players because at the end of the day, that's what they are. Um, you know what? I, I think I would rather have Frank Thomas on my team. There's something about maybe it just steps back to Little League. Maybe it's because I was one of the smaller kids. I don't know. But whenever you see that kid across the dugout who just looks huge, I think there's an intimidation factor. And that doesn't happen with grown ass men. But I think it happened to grown ass men when they saw Frank Thomas. Like if you stand next to Frank Thomas, you look at you like, wow, I don't know what we're going to do here. I mean, could you imagine a pitcher? And then Frank Thomas comes up to the plate. I mean, Jeff Bagwell, very strong guy, very tough guy, terrific hitter. But in terms of comparable statistics, I'll take the guy who's a little bit more intimidating. And for my money, I think it's Frank the Thomas. Which way would you go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with a nickname like the Big Hurt, 
I mean, come on. That, that's that's a nickname. Again, where are these great nicknames? They're never around. The Big Hurt, another good one. Who would you want, Bagwell or Frank Thomas? Probably Frank Thomas. I, but Bagwell put together – well, I mean, Thomas won two MVPs, if I'm not mistaken, and Bagwell has one. Uh, but, I mean, it's uh, – Bagwell probably better defender? I mean, I think that that's fair because Thomas I was mostly – DH at the end of his career. It's very close. Very close. I, I would probably agree and take Frank Thomas, but uh, I would tell you that the lasting power was really hurt with Bagwell toward the end of his career. He just had to retire um, mm-hmm. for, uh, from injury. But, I mean, it's rare that you have a debate like this where it's like, ah, yeah, I guess I would very take close. either guy. Yeah. I think you're right about the defense. I think Bagwell was a better defender, but again... Bagwell I'm, has to be considered that. I'll yeah, find Thomas a very good second baseman. I'll find a second baseman with really good range, cover for Frank a little bit. I want Frank in the lineup. Yep. 1972, Antonio Freeman, great wide receiver for mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers for many years, and a Super Bowl championship as well. And... Um, We've got Danny Werfel, 1974, who was the Heisman Trophy Award winner and national champion with the Florida Gators. 1995, Yoan Mancata from the Chicago White Sox. Jose Barrios, 1994, good pitcher for the Twins. Hopefully players will be talking about soon. And then 1997, Daniel Jones. I have a feeling we may be mentioning Daniel Jones a little bit later in the show. Giants quarterback. Any thoughts on any of the players? Yeah, sure. Daniel Jones, I think, is a very sneaky, good QB, too. Uh, better fancy quarterback than a regular one. I know he had a lot of turnovers last year, but hopefully some uh, some fixes on the offensive line will help, as will a healthy Saquon Barkley. So I know Daniel Jones was not quite the disaster that a lot of people envisioned last year. A lot of people thought it was just going to be all you know gloom and doom, but you know what? He showed some athleticism. He showed some giddy-up. And uh, Jose Barrios, we were actually talking about him on Diamond Bets this weekend coming up, and we are talking about whether or not he's ready to take that next step and to be a true number one, or if he's just going to be the top of the Twins rotation. Is he a fantasy ace or just a 1A type guy? And I think that's a really interesting conversation to have. I'm curious, do you think he's ready to make that jump into that next grouping? Or is he even capable? Does he have that next gear in him? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that this is I'm not that sure, right? I'm not sure. I definitely but, don't think this is But I will tell you what, we could save the conversation mm-hmm. for a little bit later mm-hmm. because we got a plenty more to come um, when we do our, our uh, future player props. And Daniel Jones is someone that we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show, too. Indeed, indeed. And a breakout year for Rio Mancata. So happy birthday. Man, that White Sox lineup, by the way, does not quit. I mean, you it go all the way like down. It, it looks mean, like it won't quit. I wish, well, it, I, wish, I wish one time it would just work out like that. Uh, well, I don't know, man. I mean, you're going from Anderson, Moncada. You've got Jimenez in there. you got Abreu. you got Encarnacion. you got Grandal. you got Robert. I mean, on, 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 on. I mean, you know, at the end there, <laughs> Garcia's in the nine spot, but he could be Madrigal probably. It looks good. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a tough one. It looks lineup. real good, but you know what? They got a team in their division that's better than them. This is true. Wins hit three million home runs last year. They did, but they've got million. some pitching questions of their own. All right, we'll uh, take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports Today. When we come back, it's our uh, season in review. We go back to 1989 and take a look at the NFL season from that year. You talk about a different fantasy season. Stay tuned. We'll have that for you next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
And welcome back. Before there were huge passing yard totals, before there was massive institution of instant replay and all these crazy rules being changed, there was just like a simple NFL and really a time where honestly the NFL played second fiddle to uh, to baseball and maybe even third to the NBA. And it really wasn't until the mid to late 90s where the NFL started becoming on everybody's mind more, fantasy, gambling. And so it's funny, you could look back and forget a lot of names in the NFL. And I think that, that part of that is, of course, that the NFL was a different game back then. But the other part still holds true, which is the shelf life for the average NFL player, Joe, is only a few years. So it's really interesting to go back and say, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Because unfortunately, such a physical sport simply doesn't allow the majority of the players in the league to play more than a few years. Absolutely. And uh, look, this 1989 season certainly had some all-time greats in it. Uh, an all-time great was taken, oh, number one overall in the draft. But this is also the year where you have the quintessential Montana blowout of John Elway in the Super Bowl, where they beat the Broncos 55-10. to 10. This was Montana's year MVP for Joe Montana. You know, we've talked so much about Brady, I feel like, these last couple of weeks. It's fun to kind of have a little chat about uh, Joe Montana again and bring old Joe back into the conversation. Certainly a top five quarterback of all time. And I remember as a kid being excited for this Super Bowl. And I was a big John Elway fan. I was really, you know, one of those first individual players you kind of cling on to in childhood. And I was a big guy to John Elway and the drive and all that stuff. And this is such a bummer of a Super Bowl. I was kind of like, oh, man, this is kind of crap. And it's also the first Super Bowl that I remember anything regarding gambling because I remember my cousin – just wanting the score to stay 55 to right. 10. That's how I remember him wanting it to stay. And I was like, what is the big deal here? Because he had a five, I guess, was this end number. And he had money on the five. So I, I just remember that. And that was the first thing where I was like, huh. So I guess people put money on football. And there you have it. And here I am all these years later. He would be very proud, actually, of uh, of this. And this is a, a show I'm sure he would have watched. So I miss my cousin I there. that. But yeah. uh, but did you have the first time where you ever became aware of sports wagering in your youth? Like that it was a thing? Because um, I think everybody has that moment. You're like, what's a I, I think college <laughs> is really – well, fantasy was went all the way back, like into elementary school. But mm -hmm. but fan, but I think I think college was when I started to really become more aware of it and, 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 and bet and, like, place bets. Like, I, I'm assuming that somebody in my fraternity was a bookie of some kind. Like, I, I'm really trying to think it through. But I believe that was the case, and we just got a phone number. We could make a bet, and I think we pay. Uh, we got paid on Fridays, maybe paid out, and we had to pay on Tuesdays, something like that. I don't Otherwise, my cousin comes to your house, has a conversation with you. Yeah, that's all thing. Something like that. Something uh, like that. And I and but, I think at the end, I think at the end, somebody tipped me off. Like I think the last week the guy was open. I want to say somebody tipped me off and said, "Hey, man, like no one's paying him, so you don't have to either." <laughs> like, I think I, I was like, okay, I think I owed like the last week. I'm like, oh, all man. right. Someday that guy's gonna find you now. You're a big profile guy. You're a big star now, Craig. So you gotta watch yourself. Yeah, but, I would. Like, I remember calling like the score lines to get like the late yeah. NBA scores. Like, uh, hello, thank you for calling the score line. Tonight's game between the you Clippers. You were really good at that. You missed your calling. You could have been one of those guys. I think that was me. I think I was the guy. Hey, everybody. It's 1-900. Get your sports here. <laughs> uh, coach of the guy. year. Check this out. Uh, you know, everyone, we've talked a lot about Brett Favre recent weeks. We've done a lot of 90s seasons here. But this was pre-Brett Favre. Yeah. This is Lindy Infante, coach of the year of the Green Bay Packers. And a big part of that, Don Makowski, the magic man, 
leading the league, get this, with 4,318 yards. So a lot of people forget about Don Mikowski, and if he had not gotten hurt, maybe the Brett Favre era does not start as quickly as it does. But uh, the rest is history, as they say, and Favre never gave that job back. So uh, pretty incredible to kind of sit back and go, oh, yeah, and I remember having cards of the Magic Man, and I remember that Green Bay team started to turn things around, and then Brett Favre kind of just never looking back after he took the reins of that gig. Yeah, I, I would have never expected that. I, you know, I remember Favre with the Falcons and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, this is just like a guy that's never going to work out. And by the right. way, Don Mikowski was really good. So it's not something that I saw coming with Favre and having the kind of uh, career that he had. But look, he, he never really dismounted from who he was. And honestly, he's one quarterback that right now couldn't play in the NFL. And everyone's going to go crazy. Oh, what do you mean he couldn't play? I'm not saying that he couldn't play. I'm not, I'm saying that they would not allow him to play that style in the NFL. I mean, he basically was a better Winston. I mean, mm. it's really what he was. He was throwing 20 picks every year. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're absolutely not wrong. But he made those big plays when they mattered the most. They would not. In this day and age of the NFL, it would not be accepted. You're probably he would have sat. You're right. Too many analytics. Sat. Yeah, I think analytics would have killed Brett Favre. It's actually a really intriguing discussion here. But you're right. I actually think there's a lot of truth to that. That they would look at him the very much so the way they look at Winston. I mean, so, look, I, I, it's they're not in the same category. He was no, a better Winston, absolutely. Because because in the big moments, Favre would come through in every single one of them. Right, and his and ability then, also to run with the football was incredible. His ability mm-hmm. to find guys in the back of the end zone. Well, also, and make the leadership, the raw intangibles, how everybody loved right. him and followed but him. Those were the things that you know kept. Still wouldn't wouldn't yeah. cut it now. Wouldn't you? You kidding me? A guy that right in today's NFL, Brett Favre would throw for forty eight hundred yards on the season. He throw for 46 touchdowns and 27 picks, <laughs> and, and, and that's not going to be a. I mean, just go look at his numbers. I mean, that's right. what it was for five years. All right, uh, offensive rookie of the year that year was Barry Sanders, who is obviously one of our our biggest uh, biggest uh, throwback guys here on the program. I was love to talk about. He had 1,470 rushing yards in his rookie season, but he did not lead the league in rushing. No, no, that was for the Nigeria nightmare, Christian Okoye again. Great nicknames. We need better nicknames in sports. The Nigerian Nightmare. The Big Hurt. Can we please? Uh, anyway, 1,480 yards for Okoye. And I remember watching him as a kid going, well, I wouldn't want to tackle that guy. He looks huge. And he looked bigger because of the roll thing he wore in the back of the neck there. He just looked like a freight train <laughs> running loose, man. I lo- I know he didn't last too long, but those couple of years where Okoye was there, man, he was, he was a beast for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was, he was. And uh, listen, at that time, you had Okoye, you had uh, Marion Butts, you had Rod Bernstein, you had all those running backs in that AFC West that were just running over people. And Okoye was uh, very good for a short period of time, like a lot of running backs, unfortunately. Yeah. So great quarterbacks back then in 89, too. You had Warren Moon, you had Joe Montana, we talked about, obviously. Uh, but there's also it's the golden age of uh, Dan Marino and John Elway. I mean, really, that was to me growing up in the 80s. Man, like every time you looked around, there's one of these big time quarterbacks. And I feel like we're kind of going, we've had a really good run with this group too, with Roethlisberger and Brady and and all of those. And they're starting to fade out and Drew Brees. And now you're getting this other group come through. And it's always fun to see every generation that has their quarterbacks. Leading in receptions was Sterling Sharp, obviously, to go along with the magic man, Don Mikowski. Uh, That's no surprise there. Here's a name for the past too. Total touchdowns, Dalton Hilliard. With the New Orleans Saints. He was good. Good little he had running back. 18 touchdowns, more than Jerry Rice and Neil Anderson. I remember Neil Anderson with the Bears, too. He was a big fan of him. Uh, and, of course, when you go back and look at the draft in 1989, some pretty good names there. Number one overall taken was, of course, 
Troy Aikman. We know how that worked out. A, a fair amount of titles for Mr. Aikman last time I checked. So this was one of the many picks, I believe, from the Herschel Walker trade, Craig. And, it was. Uh, Jimmy Johnson came in, and, and he was, uh, you know, very, you know, he was all over Troy Aikman. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they had also just recently drafted Steve Walsh. So that's right. These, they had two very high-end quarterbacks, and they just quickly pivoted off Walsh and went right to Aikman. But Aikman, uh, Walsh was not good in his first year with Dallas, and neither was Aikman. I mean, they had a really rough time. They didn't have anyone. Here's a fun stat for you. Four of the first five picks that year, Hall of Famers. How often can you say that happened? So Troy Aikman, number one. Number three, Barry Sanders. Number four, Derek Thomas, fantastic linebacker, obviously gone way too soon. And Deion Sanders, number five overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Do you remember who number two was? Not a Hall of Famer and barely played. I'll give you a hint. He was an offensive lineman, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Mandarich? That's correct. Well done. Yes. Tell him what he wins, Brett. Tony Mandrich is indeed the correct answer there. But isn't that staggering? Four out of five Hall of Famers to start a draft. I've impressive. never heard of anything like that before. Have you? No. Yeah, I know. That's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So obviously uh, some fantastic. And if you go actually a little later on to number 20 overall, Stephen Atwater in that same draft, also a Hall of Famer. So five Hall of Famers. In the first 20 overall picks there, that was uh, certainly a fantastic draft. And 1989, again, bummer of a Super Bowl, but a hell of a year in terms of uh, just looking at, you know, football, like you said, kind of when it was still the tough guy sport, when it was still a lot about, well, if I can take the quarterback out of the game, that's a win for us. You don't see that anymore. It doesn't really happen. But those quarterbacks that were able to stand upright year after year, you have to think were really impressive and how many careers were cut short like Jim McMahon because of guys who yeah. just kept hitting them and hitting them and hitting them after plays. And the rules have changed so much, but I would agree. You had an earlier assessment that NFL was three back around this time. Oh. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was baseball, uh, basketball and, and then football. And, that, and, then, and it, by the way, distant third. Distant yeah. Third. You know, fantasy yeah. really changed football. Absolutely. I think, I mean, the more I, the more I think about it, the more I've come to that conclusion. Um, uh, you know, the amount of people playing fantasy and not really caring about their individual teams nearly as much just changed things. You I know, think it I also would... changed that it also became a more educated fan because even the fans that do care a ton about their own teams and play fantasy, all of a sudden you became a lot more knowledgeable and a lot hungrier to watch all these different teams playing. And well, I know this guy, I know who the third wide receiver is on the on the Lions now, and I know all these different players. So I think our knowledge and our awareness changed. And people watching games that they normally wouldn't watch because they had another investment, quote unquote, whether it be fantasy or wagering, that really did change the landscape. So if fantasy has created, I always say this, a, a smarter fan base for sports, uh, in some ways too smart for their own good at times where they can't enjoy themselves anymore, which I think is sad. But at the same time, I think fantasy has overall not only been great for the growth of leagues like the NFL, but also for us as fans to find ways to connect more to what's going on. And I would say the average NFL fan is way more educated about the ins and outs and X's and O's of football between Madden, between, I mean, how much did you know about defense until you played John Madden football? I mean, honestly, I mean, that's, really. that's, I think we're, that's what everybody really learned. Oh, what's a, what's a cover to, Oh, it's that. Like, I think, I think that really educated us along with fantasy. So look at that video games and fantasy football has made us smarter. Who'd have thought Craig? You never would have guessed that. But look, uh, analytics are a big part of football also. Paul mm -hmm. D. Podesta, who is now sure. uh, you know, heading up the Cleveland Browns, 
There are a lot of very smart people who have come over from baseball to football, but I do think that the individual fans who bought season tickets and i think there's still the same amount of people doing that it's just more people are watching and that's why the television contract for the nfl is so significant okay we're gonna have some fun coming up next joe has gone into the pizza pia garage and gonna see if i can pick out some interesting sports collectibles potentially we can do that we've also uh, got some news and notes of the latest on the nf uh the nhl and uh major league baseball actually with some late news yesterday on what their proposal uh, looks like going over to the players. Really interesting stuff. So we'll have that coming up next. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig and Joe are back right after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. Follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish, at JoePizzaPia17, and of course at SportsGrid. That's how you get us here on the show. Like and subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Set your notifications to on every day. As soon as the show is done, get it over to you. You can watch us every single day. Uh, by the way, make sure you catch Scott Farrell's show later today, Coast to Coast. That show is live now every single day, three hours a day, as well as in-game live. So make sure you catch all of our great program here at SportsGrid. Despite the country being shut down, as it has been, we are continuing our content here at SportsGrid. And because we're continuing here on a sports channel and a wagering channel and a fantasy channel without any of that, it forces us to come up with some good ideas, which sometimes end up being bad ideas on this show. And boy, we have had a lot of those over the last few months so we're hoping that this is a good idea. And if it's a bad idea, it may end up being a good idea. So we'll just kind of have to find out. So, Joe, how are we doing this? Well, look, like uh, like everything here, I always say when something gets mentioned here and we go, huh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting idea. It ends up being a segment. So it's if you show. watch, if you watch, it's a show. It's a show about nothing. That's what we're doing it's here. About, it's a yeah. show about nothing. That's it. You know what the show is? It's just me and Craig talking. That's the show. That's it. Uh, but, <laughs> but look, it's on the air and wildly successful, just like Seinfeld. Uh, I can't wait to see those syndication checks, by the way. I'm waiting for those. <laughs> uh, but we talked about yesterday about some of the baseball cards, and Craig made a statement. He said, oh, I've seen everything because, you know, he's one of those guys. I worked in the uh, memorabilia industry. I picked up those big tables and put those legs out and set it up, and I was making change and doing all these things, right. and I had – he had cuts on his fingers from the plastic, the plastic coverings and the little plastic sheets and things like that. He all had true. them all. I know they're all true. So I tried to go through and find some things that maybe Craig's never seen before. Some of the goofier crap that I've got. I got a nice collection of things, but I've also got some goofy stuff. And I okay. don't know why I held on to them, but here we go. Now, look, I know I, I want to get this out of the way first because we talked yesterday about the holograms and how cool right. they were. So do you remember the holograms, Craig? Would you, did you a big fan of the hologram when you turn the card and then Wade Boggs is swinging? And he moves. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Or yeah. like, sport, oh, there I think, is. I think if I'm not mistaken, those are sport flicks, if I'm not mistaken. Is Craig correct? He is correct. Sports flicks. Well done. You can't get anything by Craig Mish. By the way, just for fun, here's Julio Franco. I'm pretty sure he was... 63 yeah, years it's old. Not, it's not flicking great on television, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, thanks for letting but, me But know. people get the idea. All right. There was also a brand of baseball cards that I always liked every year, and I don't know 
you know, where they really came from. They were called classic. Do you remember these? Yes. Classic. Okay, so, so the, the story – yes. Okay, so that's a 1990 version. Um, so the deal with classic – 1989, but who's counting? That went wrong. So uh, classic <laughs> was actually a board game in 1987, right. and they came out with the first series. And mm -hmm. then what they did is they just kept, kept coming out with – they didn't keep producing the game, but they had these travel editions. Right. And so it would come in these little packages, and it was like the yellow version, the blue version. But the original one was 1987, and that was the green version one. And mm -hmm. that has the one that has Bo Jackson in uh, in an Auburn uniform with a baseball bat. That's actually his first card that ever came out. That, uh -huh. so. Now, I remember using some of those cards because I, as a kid growing up in Brooklyn, 1986, I had my – uh, my 86 uh, uh, tops baseball cards, and I created a game with dice with my dad. And I said, okay, you take the little pieces, and if you roll this, you get yeah. this. And this is what I did. And then a couple of years later, that, that game was out there. But I used to bug my dad every time you come home after dinner. Oh, can we play the game? Can we play the game I made up? And I and I would start drafting a team of the my favorite players. And I think that's where the fantasy madness came from of me wanting to draft a team. And then I had all the little stacks of all the players, you know, different teams, different players, different positions and all that. Yeah. You like that? Uh, we've also got uh, a nice little 84 Dave Raggetti. How about that? You like him? He looks good there. A little oversized card. And maybe a guy that never should have been, or maybe the argument is he was so big he needed an oversized card. This is the biggest card I've ever seen. This is a Gorman Thomas 1986 That's giant blow. That wow. is big. Just for perspective, here's a regular card, and here's Gorman Thomas. Now, I know he you, was a big I mean, man. I mean, why and how did you get end up with that card? I don't know, but I got a whole buttload of these. Uh, they're hilarious. This one, obviously, the funniest of them. Uh, by the way, you want to guess the weight of Gorman Thomas on this card as listed? Just for fun? 235. Uh, 210. Are you buying that? Are you buying the 210? Over-under no. on the 210, Craig Mish. No, great player with the Brewers, but yeah, um, you the know, mustache. I, I, I gotta say, I I think is that bigger than a five by seven or no? It is, right? It's like almost eight by ten. Uh, it's not eight by ten, but it's pretty big. I think it's it might be five by seven or close to it, but I think because of Gorman Thomas's mustache, it really kind of comes out. Yeah, now, now no, I, I never this, had any of those, so that's new for me. There you go. See, fun things here on the program. We're always yeah. breaking new ground. Uh, here's a fun one here. Uh, this is something that I don't know if you remember. This is. Again, I'm a little younger than you, but they came out with this series called Baseball Talk, and it came in these packages oh, like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. He knows this. So they were cards, right? Right. They were cards of players, but on the back, you see, there were these little things that you could put it in the little player, and yeah, it would play. tell you stories. Now, here's the thing. I'm old now. I don't know. Maybe there's only a certain amount of room in my brain, but- did the Tony Gwynn one, was it actually Tony Gwynn talking to you in like Tony Gwynn voice where he's like, ah, I'm no, so excited. No, I don't remember. That I can't confirm. I don't hey, remember that. Hey, Tony Gwynn, I'm a great hitter. You want to learn about hitting? Oh, geez. Like, I feel like that would be, I wish I had the player still. I don't have that. Yeah, Maybe it's I have a few of the cards that do not have the player. The player. That's what it is, Jerry. We've got to get our hands on one of those players and you play do. it for the show. Here's some What did it cost on eBay? Two bucks? I don't, probably, right? You know what? That, that just for the amusement of hearing what they say is worth the is yeah, worth maybe worth it may be worth a five dollar investment here <laughs> the, the shipping and handling here's some awful pins i found i mean look at look at this this is a jack clark from the late 80s look at that pin my goodness jack clark is that a pin or is that a button 
Oh, actually, no, this is a button. I'm sorry. I do have yeah. some awful pins I can find, too. I, I have I that button another one. set. Mike Marshall, he is not happy to be there. I can tell you right now, Mike Marshall Mike is Marshall. not impressed. Yeah. Just just not impressed at all. Were you a pin collector as well? Uh, not really, no. But I, I did have a set of those buttons. I had a set at some point. I may still have What's it What's the somewhere. point of the button? I understand the pin. I'm not sure, man. Pin. How I'm do we degenerate sure to the button? What the hell are you supposed to do with this thing? You can't put it on anything. I can put no, it on yeah, my head. And, and there was a time where they used to have the players inside the uh, bottles of Coke. Where you'd open it up and then you'd see the football player in there. Speaking speaking of players oh, inside well, of food. <laughs> now, I remember very much so. My grandma used to always buy ring dings for my grandfather. And oh, I, remember, I know what's coming. And, and on the bottom, they had all the cutouts, right, of the ball players. For and sure. I was like, Grandma, listen to me. You got to save the Don't things in the box. Don't throw away the box. You <laughs> understand. She was like, what are you talking about? She's, I said, go. She go, oh, okay, the, okay, the baseball player. All right, all right. So I would go there, and she would cut it out for me and everything. But this is one that I didn't even know I had. So I, everybody had the Drake's cake, guys. Everybody had those, right? But this is one I, I don't remember. This is Kraft. So I can only assume this was part of a macaroni and cheese promotion with Fernando Valenzuela. I guess he really enjoyed mac and cheese. But there you go, a Kraft baseball card. And a Dave Winfield to go along with it. Now, Craig Mish, have you seen this before? Got it? I, I've seen it? them. I never had those, but I definitely have seen them before. Yeah. What's most What's most interesting about those is that they did not have the licensing of the teams. <laughs> so they have the, the blank hats on. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Winfield plays for the New Yorkers. He plays for something. Oh, <laughs> uh, Los Angeles. The blue it's hat hot team. Outside. Another blue hat team. <laughs> It's like you, they airbrushed out the logos. That, that I think that there's oh. companies now that still don't have uh, teams. You know what's so. funny? I I noticed it and I didn't. <laughs> and you just saying that makes it makes it all all the much better. Uh, also, I was a big fan of these as a kid. I don't know why they were stupid, but you know, again, so am I. Uh, the mini cards, which we talked about, the little leaders, and on the back. I it thought, had I thought those were gonna just blow up in value, and they are so yeah. worthless. I I I was like, wow, this is the future <laughs> mini cards. Because remember, in 1975, uh, Tops had those mini cards, and and they ended up being really good. But no, those are worth nothing. Oh, yeah. Roger Clemens, they're not worth anything yeah. except they're cool. And uh, here's Glenn Davis. Remember Glenn Davis when he was good for two years before he got paid really millions cool. of dollars to the Orioles? Too low, by the way. Oh, you're showing us too low. Oh, I'm right? sorry. Here there you go. How about that? Okay. I, I just I always wonder what happened to Glenn Davis. Like, I imagine he's just loving life somewhere. Here's Greg Maddox as well. Little Greg Maddox oh, action. 89 mini there. Look at Greg Maddox. Looks like he's like 16 playing on I know. He, uh, he wants to know if he could borrow the keys to the car. Wow. That's, uh, that's where he's at right now. That's All right. Um, way back. So we're not doing too well. We can't find anything that he hasn't seen. Do you remember these? These were stickers. I didn't, the Gorman Thomas seemed seemed too big for me. I don't remember seeing that size. <laughs> too big, yeah, small hands. He couldn't hold Gorman Thomas. I don't remember seeing that. All right, here we go. Um, by the way, I think this is going very well. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, listen, uh, I mean, I, I haven't even asked Brett how much time we have left once. <laughs> Which is a first, by the way. That's a good sign. Oh, that, good and there sign. he goes. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> Three minutes, he just told me. There we go. All right, so here you go. You remember these? They were stickers, and you had like a yes. sticker book. But on the back, boom, Greg Jeffries to disappoint you as a child. You see this? There you go. And then here's Bo Jackson, too. You would peel the sticker off, and then you put it in the sticker book, and you collect Absolutely. all the cards. I got my son the sticker book for 2020. Oh, they still do the sticker book? They still do it. Absolutely. Oh, that is tremendous. That is that is brilliant. All right. Uh this is just for fun. A little minor league baseball, a little Kevin Moss action for oh, you. Everybody had a Kevin Moss. Everybody had a Kevin Moss. How about Steve Avery, where he kind of looks like John Rocker's brother a little Our bit? Our card there. 
What's that about? Why does he look like uh, John Rocker's brother? I don't know. We might have to do another Avery round of this. Was one of those guys you thought that was you know, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, and here goes Steve Avery. He had like two good years. All right. Now, now this is, look, I, I, I don't know what to tell you here. We're at the bottom of the barrel trying to find something you haven't seen. You were talking about Garbage Pail Kids, but did you know that there was a baseball version of these? Did you know this? Maybe not. That could, that, you may have stumped yeah. me on that. Here we go. Okay. Uh, I've never seen that Baldy before. Bob. Uh, so there you go. This is from 1999. Uh, I guess it says collect all. Oh, no, sorry. No, collect all 99 stickers. This is made by Leaf. I don't have a year on these, but they're I horrendous. I have never seen that in my Albert life. This is all I, new. But they're all, look, Billy the Brain. I guess it's like Billy Martin because he's wearing like the A's colors. Right. I don't know. But this was like a hybrid. I can only assume they're from the 80s. Maybe we can carbon date them. I don't know. We'll send them off to Brett. Maybe we can. Uh, yeah, we got to figure this you know, out. See what happens. You may, you but, may have uh, stumbled on a gem here. Hard luck, Harry. I don't know what hard luck Harry is, but it sounds like uh, it not, sounds not a lot. Not doing well with his foot there. He's not. He's on the IL. He's uh, he's having some issues there. But I tried very hard to stump you and and look through. No, you also, did. That was it. You saved the best for last because I've never seen that before. I I've got no a whole other pile of stuff. Maybe another day. All right. But uh, I did find a few things that Craig. Well, thank you for get. doing the work on that. You know, next out. week, instead of doing a show, we should just play those sports talk cards. I agree. Just sit hour. there. Just put them hey, in. Hey, everybody, it's there. me, Tony Gwynn. Oh, shucks. I love to hit. Let's do it. <laughs> I miss Tony we'll Gwynn. That. He was great. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I think it's time for us to take a time out here and end the first hour of this show. But we got plenty more to come. We're going to look at some NFL props on some players and update you on the latest going on in the NHL and Major League Baseball when Fantasy Sports Today continues right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. So make sure you don't go anywhere as we're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.